Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, audio, media, radio, network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram, Harp on Sports, the Facebook page. Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel, and the brand spanking new HarpOnSports.com. It's a fantastic site. We put a lot of work into it. It really is. I, I just I think it looks really, really sharp. Check it out. You can check out all our old podcasts. They're archived. I uh, throw up two written articles a week along with these two podcasts, and other things are on the horizon. So there we go. What do we have in store for you on this edition of this show? Well, a little Gators grip. Tightening or loosening, depending on your perspective. Also, the latest college football playoff has been released, or at least the grid, and there are 10 teams that have a shot at this thing. There are. 10 teams have a shot at this thing. 10 teams, four slots. And we're going to throw out a little bit of a path for pretty much all of them. And all of them have a shot if they win all their games, with the exception of one. So we're going to look at that as well. And also the Rodgers rate is Aaron Rodgers is fined just a little bit. The Packers just a little bit in the NFL right now. They've got a mess on their hands and it's their own fault with this. They've got an issue with taunting, which is fascinating to me because it doesn't make sense. So we're going to look at that as well. So let's start off with this first. The Dan Mullen mess at Florida is ugly. It's nasty. Is it salvageable? Of course it is. Of course it is. He's had a bad stretch. He has. And he's going to have a new defensive coordinator as he fires Todd Grantham. He fires his longtime buddy on the offensive line. And now he's going to have to swallow some pride. And I've disagreed with Dan on a bunch of things. I think he's a great play caller. I think he struggles to recruit a bit. And... In terms of quarterbacks, Felipe Franks over Kyle Trask. And then this year, Emory Jones over Anthony Richardson. It seems like Dan can't get the quarterback figured out. And you got away with it last year. This year they didn't. So as I watch this unwind here, when it comes to Dan Mullen and the University of Florida, firing his assistant coaches, firing coordinators is a rite of passage. Coaches do it. They do it quite a bit. For the sect of the population that thinks, oh, once you fire coordinators, you can't go back. Of course you can. He just got to find the right guys. And I'm thinking about this, and you're going to see a lot of lists come out in the next few days. This, The top five candidates for this job, the top five candidates for that job. Dan needs to take a step back, and the University of Florida needs to pony up the cash. There's two guys that they should go get. Offense is a little bit more complicated because do they run Dan's offense? Can they run Dan's offense? Can they meet in the middle? When it comes to an offense and you got to be able to recruit, you got to be able to sell some guys to come here. And to me, Dan Mullins defensive coordinator is an easy choice. I wrote an article. I like Brent Pry from Penn state. I do. I like Brent Pry from Penn state. He's been with James Franklin though for about 12 years now, right? 10 years now. And he's making $875,000 a year at Penn state. If James Franklin goes to USC, well, Doubling his salary, get him to come to Florida. I don't know. Seems to be happy there. The guy that he should hire that has SEC ties, that knows how to recruit, all of those things is Jeremy Pruitt. 
Jeremy Pruitt's embattled with a lawsuit at Tennessee. Who cares? You want to win or not? Jeremy Pruitt can recruit, and he's a good defensive mind. He was a good defensive coordinator at Georgia. He won a national championship as defensive coordinator at Florida State. He won a national championship as defensive coordinator at Alabama, and he can recruit. So I would offer Jeremy Pruitt $2 million a year to become the defensive coordinator at Florida and go from there. That's who he should target. He should circle him, and he should go get him. That's who they should. They should get. They should get on the phone with him now. He's not coaching. Hey, Jeremy, we want to make you the highest paid defensive coordinator in the SEC. Why don't you come to Florida? Help me fix this. Help me fix this. So I would do that. And then on the offensive side of things for Dan Mullen, I was looking at this. He's making one point two million dollars a year at Ole Miss. Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator, who was the offensive coordinator for Mackenzie Milton and Josh Heupel at UCF. When they lost to LSU in their New Year's Six Bowl game, he wasn't the offensive coordinator when they beat Auburn. He was the next year when they were undefeated and they lost to LSU and scored, what, 40 points or whatever that was. He had a backup quarterback come in and actually be competitive. If I'm the, if I'm Florida, Jeff Levy, I mean, look what he's done with Matt Corral. Look what he did. And you can, we can sit there and we can laugh at UCF. And I think it's funny how they've kind of fallen on rough times with all the arrogance and pompacity about how they're a top 10 program now. No, you're a top-ranked program. You're not a top 10 program. Big difference. I would go hire Jeff Levy. I'd go hire Jeff Levy. He's making $1.2 million at Ole Miss. I'd pay him $2 million. I'd pay Jeremy Pruitt $2 million. And now I've got two coordinators that know what they're doing and we're on our way. Because that's how you go out and get guys. How would you like to look? I got Kyle Trask in the Heisman. Matt Corral may be a Heisman finalist as well. Both of Heisman finalists come play for us. That's how you go get yourself an elite quarterback. And Jeremy Pruitt's defenses have proven themselves. Th- those are the hires. Those are the hires. Should Dan Mullen be fired? No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. What if they lose their last three games? Well, then, yeah, you fire him. But they're going to beat Sanford. They're going to beat Mizzou. And Florida State will be a good football game, but they'll beat. I think they will. I think they'll. I think now. There's a little bit of accountability. And here's the thing. Other coaches have experienced things like this. They have. I went back through and looked. Oh, you can't fire your coordinators. You can't rebound after once you lose your grip on the coordinators. And it's funny because I got Gator fans leaving me voicemails and things like that and emailing the station all the time. It's like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. There's a reason why you're not in charge and your sports talk show call in. You never run anything in your life. I always can tell if somebody's never run anything in their life because you want to fire everybody. Nobody will work for you if you fire everybody all the time. You won't have a staff. Or I don't want to work for somebody that fires everybody all the time. And I went through and looked. Brian Kelly's fired a couple coordinators. He fired Brian Van Gorder as his defensive coordinator. And then a couple years ago, he fired Chip Long. Here he didn't fire him, he just didn't retain him. Chip Long was the offensive coordinator on the Notre Dame football team that lost in the college football playoff to Clemson. Let him go. So Brian Kelly fired a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. He let walk within 24 months. Seems to do it. He seems to have it figured out in South Bend, doesn't he? And it took him about six or seven years to get there. And the other one is Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney, not the greatest start at Clemson. He's going nine and three, eight and four, nine and three, nine and three. Remember Clemsoning? Yeah, that was a thing once, wasn't it? And what did he do? He fired his offensive coordinator, let him walk. What was his name? Billy Napier, now the head coach at Louisiana, who Florida fans, you fire Dan Mullen, that's who you're going to end up with. I will bet you right now, I want you to turn this back. You fire Dan Mullen, you're going to end up with Billy Napier. Because you're going to swing and miss on Kiffin. Dan Mullen was your fourth choice last time. Chip Kelly, Scott Frost. 
If I were Dan Mullen, I'm a head coach and I'm making like we're gonna go get Jeff Brom from Purdue. Gee, I'm Jeff Brom at Purdue and I'm making six million a year, five million a year, and I'm going eight and four and I'm worshipped. I'm gonna go eight and four or nine and three and I'm gonna be worshipped, making six, seven million a year. Meanwhile, you just canned a coach that took you to three straight New Year's six bowl games? Yeah. Pass. I'm gonna uproot my family and move everybody down there for five hundred thousand dollars more a year. $500,000 more a year is a lot when you're going from $1.5 million to $2 million. But when you're going from $6.5 million to $7 million, eh, eh, no thank you. Look, that, that's your path. That's your path. And I just gave you two coaches, the elite coaches, that have done a nice job. And, you know, Florida needs to model themselves a little bit more over Clemson and Notre Dame. than everybody, everybody tries to model Alabama. You're not Nick Saban. That's like trying to model your jump shot. I'm going to be my Michael Jordan. No, you're not. Stop it. I'm going to model my sprinting technique after Usain Bolt. Okay, good luck. More realistic. Like I'm going to model my fastball after Doris Chapman. Well, he throws 102, so good luck. You know? The way Kirby's done it at Georgia is pretty strong. You recruit, 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 recruit. You get yourself a couple quarterbacks and you stay healthy. Now, Kirby's issue is still in-game planning and in-game adjustments. So we're going to see how that goes. Because he's going to be undefeated. He's going to beat Alabama. He's going to be in the National uh, College Football Playoff. What's he do in those in-game adjustments again? Kirby's issue's never been putting the talent together. Kirby's issue's been in big games. What do you do when that spotlight gets hot? Because his defense got waxed against Ohio State in the playoff. His defense constantly got waxed by Clemson. So that's that's where Kirby gets into it. But again, there's a path for Dan to be successful again here. There is. We're going to fire him and replace him with who? Anybody's better. Anybody's not a person. It's a phrase. Hire Lane Kiffin. Okay. Lane Kiffin's best year, by the way, is 10-2 and two at USC. Okay. So, good luck. Good luck. Oh, I, I forget that. Then he went nine and three one year at uh, Florida Atlantic. Good gracious, people. So there's that. All right, college football playoff. Uh, a path uh, to the postseason, path to perfection. Georgia wins all their games they're in. Alabama wins all their games they're in. Those two are very, very simple. And really, when you get right down to it, now that Ohio State is, uh, or Ohio State's fourth, right? Oregon's third. If Oregon wins all their games, they're going to get in too. Ohio State's in the same boat. The top four teams, if they all win, their games are going to get in. It gets a little screwy. It does. It does To me, it gets a little screwy if Oklahoma finishes unbeaten when it's all said and done and Alabama dumps Georgia and Oklahoma's an undefeated conference champion, the only undefeated conference champion, and they're on the outside looking in with that pedigree of a name. So, you know, there's there's different scenarios here that play themselves out. But to me... The, the top four, their path's easy. Cincinnati sits there at fifth and says, hey, man, what do we do? Well, if the top four teams all win there, look, here's where Cincinnati gets burned. Alabama beats Georgia. Oregon runs a table. Ohio State runs a table. Then I think Cincinnati's out. Then I think they're out. But, you know, you look after that, Cincinnati at five. If Cincinnati wins all their games, they're going to be okay. I really believe that. Um, number six, as you sit there and you look at, like, well, how can – Michigan be six and Michigan State seven when Michigan State just beat them. Oh, come on. Look, once you get outside of the top four, it's like, well, they hosed this team. No, they didn't. They're just setting up chess pieces is what they're doing. Yeah, they're setting up chess pieces. Why? Because if Michigan State beats Ohio State this weekend, the committee will come back and say, wow, that win was impressive. Uh, Michigan State just beat Ohio State. Michigan State, they jump Michigan now and they're back up to fifth. That's what they'll do. 
Cincinnati will slide it or, or maybe Michigan state will move back to four and Oregon will stay at three. That's what it, it's about moving chess pieces around until the end. Oh, I was so close. Oh, I was so close. I was the runner up. Mm, I was so close. So I, I look, the paths are there. Look at, at Michigan sitting there at six. If Michigan beats Penn state beats Ohio state, look, they're probably going to be in the playoff. Now it gets a little bit tricky. If, Michigan State beats Ohio State, and then Michigan runs the table, and Michigan State run the table. Then they're both sitting there at 11 and 1. And then you got an SEC situation where both schools are going, hey, what about us? What about us? What about us? And then Wisconsin, who all of a sudden's got the third best defense in the country, is going to play havoc, whoever. That, that'll be a good Big Ten championship game now. So, again, if worrying about all these things, and, and then you look down the ladder a little bit, what you got? Michigan State or Michigan Six, Michigan State Seven. You have Oklahoma 8. Oklahoma's the one that should be venting. They were off. Okay, didn't see much, but Oklahoma knows what's in front of them. Oklahoma wins all their games. They're going to they're gonna be right there on the cusp as well. And then Notre Dame sits there at 9. I think Notre Dame's the one team that's probably not going to get in uh, of the teams that are in the top 10 because then you have Oklahoma State at 10, and there's a path for Oklahoma State. If they dump Oklahoma, they'll jump Notre Dame, and if they keep winning, they'll keep moving up that slate. But everybody always sits there. Always sits there and talks about, I want chaos. I'm rooting for a ton of upsets because I want chaos. Hey, Copernicus, if you want chaos, root for everybody to win. I want chaos. Look at all these upsets. Chaos. Chaos isn't upsets. Chaos is standard protocol. Let me prove it to you. Alabama, Georgia went out. Alabama beats Georgia. Ohio State wins out. Oregon wins out. Oklahoma wins out. Cincinnati wins out. There, I just gave you six teams. There's your chaos. There's your chaos. You start rooting for a bunch of upsets. You start getting a bunch of upsets. That's not chaos. That's a checklist. That team's gone. That team's gone. If you want chaos, root for everybody to win. That's how you get it. So there you go. Uh, and, I, you know, I, there's paths on there for everybody. There are. I, from what I've seen, I think Ohio State will beat Michigan State. At the beginning of the year, I said Wisconsin against Michigan in the Big Ten title game. I'm so happy about, with myself. I said Michigan, I know Wisconsin. I said no, Alabama, Georgia. Way to go out on a limb, Seth. So happy with myself. I am. I think I had Oregon, and I can't remember who I had Oregon in the Pac-12, but I had Oregon winning it. So happy with myself. I had Oklahoma beating West Virginia. Not going to get that right. I got half of it right. And then in the Pac-12, I had Pitt beating Clemson, or Pitt playing Clemson, Clemson beating them. So, yeah. Heisman, I have no idea. Enjoy these last three weeks. Enjoy them. Last four weeks. It'll be fun. But the playoff committee, how can they? Oh, come on. Everybody's mad last week. Everybody this week's like, oh, okay. But if you want true chaos, root for the standard quo. Standard quo. Just keep status quo. Status quo. Keep rooting for the same teams. Keep winning. That's how you get chaos. Uh, let's see. You're going to wrap with this. Uh, the Rogers rate. Aaron Rodgers fine. I want to make sure I got my math right. $14,600. The Packers fine $300,000. Apparently other teams in the NFL are furious about this. And the NFL is kind of caught here. Why? The NFL is, this is where it gets tricky. The NFL knows who's vaccinated and who's not right. They know, okay, how many people are vaccinated? Who's vaccinated on your team? So the NFL sat there and watched Aaron Rodgers come out for press conferences for two months without a mask on, knowing he wasn't vaccinated. Either they watched for two months, knowing he wasn't vaccinated, or 
they're just collecting this information and not looking at it. Either way, it's negligence, right? They looked there and stared at a guy that came out at press conferences without a mask on and did all this thing, and they knew he wasn't vaccinated, or they didn't know he was vaccinated. You know, the Packers provide that information to the NFL. Either way, the NFL dropped the ball. So the Packers get a $300,000 fine. The Packers look around and go, man, we really screwed this up. We're lucky we didn't take a draft pick away. Let's shut up and keep our mouth shut. And Aaron Rodgers gets fined $4,600 for not being vaccinated and attending, I don't know what it was, a party and didn't wear a mask. or They nailed him and Alan Lazard for a ridiculous reason. But they still fined him. But everybody on the NFL is like, this is a bunch of garbage, man. They broke protocol. He shows up. Whose fault is this? The NFL said, well, look, we're going to fine him $300,000. We'll show them. Packers say, whew, no draft picks. Because the NFL messed this up. The NFL did mess this Rodgers thing up. And the NFL also has an issue on their hands with taunting. Think about this. This is a sport in which one human being stands in the field and says, I'm going to run into you and hit you as hard as I can. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. And the referee looks at this player and says, yeah, it's, it's what's in the rules. Like a T.J. Watt. I'm going to hit this person, this running back. I'm going to hit this guy as hard as I can. The NFL says, yeah, go for it. Then the, the same player says, and then after I hit this human being and I run over him as hard as I can, I then am going to stare at him. Oh, no, 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 you can't. Well, I just told you I'm going to hit this human being as hard as I can. The NFL, sure. Then I'm going to look at him afterwards. No, you can't. Can't do that. Don't you dare look at him. You can hit him as hard as you can. You can even scream when you do it. But don't you dare look at him after you do it. That's taunting. That's taunting. A sport that's controlled by let's hit you as hard as you can. Don't you look at him afterwards. That's like knocking somebody out in boxing and staring at him on the ground. No, you don't stare at him after you knock him out. It's ridiculous. I have always said that I don't think penalties should exist for plays that don't gain an advantage. Holding you gain an advantage. Unnecessary roughness, you were trying to hurt somebody, you could knock them out, you gain an advantage. Pass interference, you gain an advantage. Delay a game, you're taking too much time, you're trying to gain an advantage. Taunting, nobody gains an advantage. Feelings get hurt. A sport in which barbarian versus barbarian, I'm going to rip your head off, but if you stare at me afterwards, then we're going to draw the line. It's ridiculous. So... NFL screwed up this Rodgers thing and the taunting things. And Mike Tomlin, the players hate it. Mike Tomlin says, we're trying to clean up the game. Uh, was the game bad last year because of the taunting? I don't get it. Uh, and a baseball player hits a home run like Carlos Correa and points at his watch. Like it's tight. Is that taunting? I, when a pl- pitcher strikes out, ah, it goes crazy. Is that taunting? Let him taunt. Big bad NFL football players can't handle a guy staring at him <laughs> he's taunting me okay ridiculous i'll get rid of that rule harp on sports the bar podcast audio media radio network follow share like subscribe at harp on sports on all of your platforms including the brand new harp on sports.com check it out we put a bunch of great articles out there my latest one a case for dan mullen and i made a case for him at the beginning of this podcast as well remember stay clean stay focused stay strong frankenstein Have fun with your friends.